Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. It was real high one Sunday night. Let's see. Uh, hey, some uh, people have been gifted. Um, think about the secular musicians. I think about the Bee Gees. I don't remember what his name was. Those guys were able to hit notes that I don't even know how were absolutely possible for any male in the human history to do. Uh, it's a gift. And I often think about some of the musicians that are not believers, and I wonder what amazing things could have been done had they come to Christ. And I think that a lot because there's some incredible, incredibly talented musicians that had they been followers of Christ. You know, I even think of Elton John. He has so much talent and all that and so much for the kingdom that could be done. And, you know, that's the way I think about it. The, the enemy is, he's hell-bent on deceiving and he wants nothing more than all of the talent that could be used for the kingdom to, to glorify the darkness. And we're children of light. We are not a part product of darkness. Uh, I, I love light. I don't like darkness. And I used to be a lover of darkness. I didn't want lights on. I wanted to dwell in darkness. And I'm so thankful, man, that God brought me into the light. And I like to see physical light because to me it's a manifestation of God. It's a manifestation of light. And to me, when I think about darkness, it's a manifestation of the enemy and darkness. And I'm thankful in heaven, we're not going to have any problem with it being dark. It's not going to be like one of those Chinese restaurants where you can't even see the food in front of you and you wonder what you're eating in the first place. Amen? When I was young, you know, I <laughs> used to go, why do they have the lights dim? And of course, you know, people would joke and say, well, it's stuff that you don't want to be eating, but as long as they flavor it right, you never know you ate it in the first place. Amen? Bring a headlamp when you go eat, church, to your favorite restaurant. Make sure they're not pulling the wool over your eyes. Um, the, the shovelable animal control said that they've had a record few uh, captive. You know, they're not finding the strays anymore, and I don't, under, you know, I don't know what happened. Maybe, this, maybe the spay and neuter clinics worked, right? No, stay away. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I had to, to, to give you something to, to give you a, a good laugh tonight. But no, turn your Bibles tonight to Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. We're going to look at four verses tonight of a message titled Eternal Focus. Eternal Focus. And uh, as I talk with you, you know, it's just a continual process of an eternal mindset. The, the greatest way I can recognize how short time is is the time that Sunday comes to Saturday night and then Sunday. And then literally it's like I wake up Sunday morning, I go watch, and I snap my finger and the day's over. And then tomorrow it will seem like this arduous process the moment you get up and it's like it's another week and I got so much to do and there's so many people that, and then you blink and it's Saturday night again. And the wild part about it is that has been occurring since... March of 2008. That's when I walked into Longview. It has not gotten any slower. It has merely gotten faster and faster and faster. 
And I actually have tried to think about the number of funerals I have done. I have actually done so many funerals now that I don't remember many of them. The only reason that I remember them is when I go into my funeral folder, when I do each funeral's done specifically for the person, I don't carbon copy and find one and go, oh, I'll just preach that. No, no, don't do that. I, I do it to honor each person's life. But when I go in there, and a lot of times I'll have to sit there and think and read down until I mention family members in there so that I can even remember doing the funeral. Some of them I still can't remember. That's how many people have gone into eternity in the last 15 years. What's uh, ironic is when you think about Scripture and it talks about the memory of people who have loved the Lord and how the wicked person's memory dies. That's what Scripture talks about. Scripture talks about how their possessions are taken and given to the righteous, but how their memories die. <clears throat> Remember when the kings would die and they were a wicked king? It said, what did they do? They did not, what? Light a fire in their honor. When one was a disgraceful king, you know, they used to light these fires. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? What do they call them? Funeral what? Fires. They would do these funeral pyres, but when there was a wicked king that was bad news, it said they did not light a fire in their honor. And the number of times you even read that, you go, these people have been lost in the annuals of history, and without the Bible mentioning their names, we wouldn't even know a lot of those people's names. What you do know is in so many of those cases, I actually read one this afternoon, just cursory, I was going through just reading, and I, I read one of them, and he reigned for three months. He was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months. And I sat there as I was thinking about that, and I thought, how sad in the context of this morning, in the context of the blessings of God when we walk in obedience versus the judgment of God when we walk outside of that, it's heartbreaking and it's heart-wrenching. And tonight, though, when you think about eternal focus, it is very difficult. I remember being young, and I remember six months felt like 30 years I could not get 15 years old to come to me for nothing in this world because I was more than ever, the kids are like this or not like this anymore. I wanted my driving permit. The day I turned 15, I got it. The day I turned 16, I got my license. I know kids now that are 21 years old and, hey, uh, you, you want to come see? Well, I don't have a license. Why don't you have a license? Well, I just I never wanted to drive. I don't have no desire to. What's happened to these kids? So different. Just a whole different focus and a whole different mindset. Now, I guess back then you didn't have Grubhub and all this other stuff where you can get the food you need, get the things you want, but I guess you can't go cruising anymore like you used to because of the price of fuel. But it's just a totally different world. But that, I promise you, those young people still think and see life as this long, arduous process that if you can just get to 18, things will start moving on or whatever age you say. Church, I want to tell you something. There is nothing greater we can do than have an eternal mindset. Live with an eternal perspective. When we live with an eternal perspective, what we do and everything that we do, we look through the lens of God. How does this impact the kingdom? How is this impacting the world around me for the gospel, for the kingdom? Lord, am I the faithful man of God? Uh, ladies, am I the faithful woman of God that is standing firm as a steadfast testimony of the redemptive work of Christ? Because ultimately, when it's all said and done, it happens so fast. Just look at the obituaries in the last week. There's a number of those people in there that did not have an iota of a clue that they were going to be the obituaries the following weeks. 
the following day for that matter. There's people that are in there that did not know a few months ago that they were terminally sick and found out and so quickly had to get their affairs in order if they even were able to, to get them fully in order. But tonight, we have the ability, because we're here, we've not gotten that news, we have the ability tonight to take the steps necessary to live every day with an eternal focus. What is the eternal focus? Heart of God is what matters. What is the heart of God? People. That's what you need to know about. You know that God doesn't care that you're over refinancing. Your, if you're going to be more faithful with your money, that's a whole different ballgame. But it doesn't matter today that you're going to go and upgrade your this or your that. God, you know what? God is mindful of the things of eternity and the things that are transformative in our lives. You think God cares tonight that your flip-flops that you ordered were, were pink instead of blue? You think God's sitting back going, oh, man, we've got to get this fixed. And listen, God cares that you have your needs, right? But these little petty things that we get so wound up and tied up and we run all the circles around, we're like a mouse in a cage in one of those little squirrel cages. What are we doing? Going nowhere fast. Focused on foolishness and what the enemy does is come in threes. Anybody ever heard this? I've shared this. What will happen is you got three things and each one of those three things are not inherently bad. They're not wicked. They're not demonic. There's nothing to do with being evil. There are three things that may in, in and of themselves be rather important. But what happens is those three things come at the same time. If you'll notice this, it always happens in threes or more. Because when we're overwhelmed like that, we'll never deal with any of them effectively. And we've got to recognize that we have to step back. We're only one person. I, I've actually learned to say this at work because everybody needs something right now, right? And you got people hollering at it's this just horrible voice and you think oh everybody's dying what I've learned is everybody's need is their emergency so do you know what I've had to do I'm, a, I'm, a big, I'm, a, I'm old enough where I can do this I walk in there and I say Mr. So and so Miss So and so I want to tell you something I'm one person and I'm only one person with two arms and two legs and you can do one of two things you can continue to lay in here and yell about something that I'll get to when I get down here and all you're doing, though, by doing that is when I just came down here, I have wasted another four or five minutes that someone else has lost the time with, but it's only lengthened the time that you'll get what you need by another four or five minutes. So you can either wait patiently because I know your needs. I, I know this. My computer tells me, but I also know your needs because I've gotten to know you guys really well. And you can either wait and be patient or you can continue to yell and I'll come down here in 30, 45 minutes or whatever late you'll get what you need. You know what's interesting is that has been an extremely effective tool. Why? Because in the heat of the moment, what do we believe? We're the only one that needs something and that person has been born, bred, and raised for me. Because we've been raised in the culture of, if you can go to Burger King and get it, sure enough, everybody else should be able to do the same thing, right? No, that's not the way it is. Again, we're only one person. So you take that and, and, and you impart that to a spiritual sense. What you and I have to realize is there's nothing wrong with two of those things waiting. And it might be sometimes a day, two. It might be a week or two. But you have to understand that the categorization of each of those things is important because you want to effectively deal with the things that God blesses you with being a part of. But you have to remember, look at it through the eternal focus and the eternal perspective. Realize that, hey, 
if you try to take these three things on, you're going to do three of those things ineffectively. And what's going to ultimately happen is someone in that, that, pure, that paradigm is going to suffer as a result of it. And what we're going to see tonight is the importance of realizing how important that eternal focus is, keeping that, all right, this is what I say, when you think about your, your, your God pyramid, <clears throat> God's always first, right? So that means the eternal focus and the eternal perspective is always first. You've got your family, and then everything else falls under that. If someone who's not part of your family comes in there, you got somebody at work that says, oh, we've got this, that, or the other that needs done, and you've You've worked your day and you're going home. Oh, wait, you, you, know, you have the option to stay half the night and do that? No way, man. Now, if it's a life and death situation or something that's part of your work responsibility, that's a different ballgame. Don't take on a bunch of extra for no reason because as I said to someone last week who was in a very heavy position of authority, I could see that they were extremely labored in there and I just kind of eased over to them and I said, can I walk with you a minute? I, I walked, I didn't want to stall them. And I said, I can see right now that you're bearing a huge weight of responsibility. I want you to understand something. Coming from a person who was very highly respected in Shelbyville, my letter up there, my, my file at Shelbyville will still show the letters of commendation and the files that showed that I was an exemplary employee. When I got hurt, I was nothing but a number. No longer did it matter how many people had said how amazing that I was as a person and how well and effective I did my job. It didn't matter anymore. Don't forget that where you're at. One day, those plaques on your wall, you won't be able to give them away. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Somebody, after you're long gone, is going to go into your room where all of your plaques are, that you go in there and say, yeah, oh yeah, I was a high producer, I was this, or I was that, or salesman of the month, or I blah, 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 manager of the year. One day, they're going to take all of those down. They're going to stick them in a box. And for a little while, they're believe they're honoring you by putting them in the garage because they don't want to throw them away because they feel bad about it. But then you're going to get somebody that goes, I said to somebody this morning, there was a bunch of that kind of stuff from long past. I said, I'd get rid of it. What does it do? It doesn't do anything for you. Nobody, my kids don't want to see a, a medal of achievement award that I get. It doesn't matter. Now, if it's some nice thing and some presidential something, hey, hang on to it, whatever you want to do. That doesn't matter in the eternal focus. Don't let your employer be your God. Don't let it be your king, because I will tell you what will find out. It'll be like Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, you've been weighed into the scales and what? Then found one thing. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, after your 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, I know some people, recently a woman uh, retired from CVS, if I remember correctly, who worked there for 60, or maybe at Walgreens. Anybody see that? Was it 60 years? She's older than dirt. She was literally almost 90 years old. She had been there since she was 18 years old, meaning you don't stay at a job like that that long. You are literally, that doesn't happen. That's the only job that she'd ever had. That's awesome. And they were literally saying, you know, we thought she'd die years ago. No, that's all. Praise God she was able to do that. But let me tell you something. Brothers and sisters, what is the world going to do? They replaced her. There's somebody that's been at Kroger for since a year. The reason I know he's been here since I've, it's a guy I've known for years. He's been there since 1974. He's been there for 49 years. You know what he does? He's a cashier. He's never ascribed to be anything more than that, has he? 49 years. 387. 
28, you know, just sitting there doing this repetitive. It's what God wants to do, praise God. Remember this, when it's all said and done, from the world's perspective, we're only a number. It's not going to matter what you did, so make sure that your pyramid is correct and proper because when we're all one day, as the world says, older than dirt, and they don't think that we have any value anymore and they've written us off, right? Because what do they do? They do. They write us off. They'll replace you. They'll remove the plaques from the wall in your office and they will find someone else to do exactly what you did for less money. What will you do when you find out one day that the phone doesn't ring anymore after that happens and you've placed all your, your value and your, your self-worth in the basket of success, you're going to find yourself extremely depressed, empty, lonely, and broken. But see, tonight, we're going to see what it means to have an eternal focus, an eternal perspective, and one that you can do your job. Praise God, do it. Do it with all your might. Matter of fact, in everything you do, in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. I, I challenge you to do that. Go in and be the greatest employee that that company's ever had. It's time to clock out. You clock out and go home. And you go home to your number one ministry, and that is your family. Loving God, ministering to your family, and everything else goes into that. I hope you found Psalm 37, again, verses 1 through 4. And if you're able physically, let's stand tonight out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord. Do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, again for your word, for your plan, your purpose. God, the, the very reason we live, move, and have our being is to glorify you. Father, hide me behind the cross tonight, Lord. Let your word speak as only you can. Give us all an eternal focus, an eternal perspective, Father, that is in all things preeminently you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. That first part, it's interesting that God had led me to this because I didn't even think about it as it was already done. This morning I kind of mentioned that when we see someone who lives next door and, you know, they're out there living for the world and it seems like they're blessed and they have all those things that if you had the opportunity to have, you know, you, you know you'd go out there and get it too because, you know, God wants you happy too, we often think. And by the way, he wants us happy in the Lord, serving him, being fulfilled in him, in his plans and purposes, not in living our desires and what we want to do. But do not be aggravated, agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Keep this in mind when it comes to dealing with people like that, and it's number one tonight, hate the sin, not the sinner. You see that person, you can hate the sin, you can recognize the destruction that sin has unyielded, unfurling in their lives. The consequence of the Garden of Eden. Many times, though, we begin to hate that person or we disdain that person. We'll say, you know, I just don't like them. Why don't you like them? Well, because they live like that, they act like that. A lot of times it's rooted in jealousy because we don't like what's going on. We don't like to see them 
prosper, when it seems like we're just struggling. But remember this. Keep in mind, God created them too. God created them in his image also. They are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. They're just not doing those. They've not come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. So the element that's missing in their lives is a divine encounter with the God of creation. It is merely them coming to the understanding that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And they would then, after professing Christ, placing their faith and trust in Him and repenting of their sin, would be exactly what we are. That difference is, is that they're not a believer. They're lost. And might I add, they are our mission field. So hate the sin. Hate the enemy's lies. Hate the deception with which they're caught under. And don't ever forget, take heed when we think we stand, lest we fall. Keep in mind what we once were. Colossians 3, it says, In them ye once were. Now you're a child of the light. We once were that. I remember being lost. I didn't want Christians to believe I was a Christian because I had so much disdain for Christianity because of what I'd watched. I, did not want, I didn't want to talk it. The quickest way you'd fight with me is to come up to me and want to start talking Christian stuff. It boiled my blood. I don't know why it had such a special disdain in my life. I guess it actually, to me, brought me back to the duplicity of people that were sitting on the fence talking about Jesus and you know, living in darkness. So I would tell people, you need to get lost with that. I don't want to hear it. Don't want to talk about it. Get out of my face. But it was the element of when I walked in darkness, I liked darkness. I didn't want anything to do with light. And the thing about it is our mission field, when we look at this and we, we, we recognize the, the, what seems to be this blessed life, don't be agitated by the world. This, don't envy those who do wrong. Why would you want what they've got? Because with that comes what? Being lost. <laughs> when you see the guy toting his boat out of his garage on Sunday mornings, headed to the lake, and you go, man, I wish I could do that today. Wish you could do what? Wish you could do what? Honestly. I've actually, when, when people say, well, that'd be so fun, I've not, it always happens at the times when there's not an ability to characterize it or classify that statement, what do you envy? You just envy their things, or do you wish you could take off your suit because you've got a family in there and send them to church, and you go out there and what? Live like the world? What is there to envy? I don't want what the lost have because I remember what it was like to be lost. I remember what it was like to feel hopeless. I remember that vividly. Does anybody else? That is not a feeling that I want. I, I don't understand what, what someone would want to go back to. Maybe it's just a jealousy over the material riches that Satan has blessed them with to keep them at bay, hoping that the things that he has allowed them to have will last one more day than they have breath. And that the, the welcome committee that he's allowed them to be blessed with is merely what he's saying, the foreshadowing of, you know, people believe that they're going to have parties in hell and everybody's going to be hanging out and having a great time, but the reality is when you get there, uh, is an old, uh, and I'm not really calling it a joke, but there's a thing when they get there and it's hellfire and brimstone. And like, wait, what happened? Yesterday you were a prospect. Today you're a tenant. You ever heard that? But that's the truth of it. 
you know, the enemy makes hell seem to be some place that's going to be filled with fun and there's going to be lots of incredible engagement and conversation and parties and all of the wild living because, see, heaven, you're sitting on a cloud with a harp, right, as so many people characterize heaven as. No, hell is going to be a place separated in outer darkness, torment. It is not something that anybody should desire or want, and we need to recognize that our mission field is hating the sin, not the sinner. And then verse 3 Trust in the Lord, do what is good, dwell in the land, and live securely. Trust in the Lord, do what is good, dwell in the land, and live securely. Thinking about that is really profound, too, because what is that ultimately? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not into your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. So we know what God's word says. We know what the scripture talks about with the first commandment, right? Have no other gods before him. So that is number one, trust in the Lord. As a follower of Christ, what should we do? The outflow of that transforming work of God would be do his pleasure, his will. So that would be to do what is good. What is the promise if we do that? God's going to protect us. He's going to guide us. He's going to strengthen us. What is that then? We will dwell in the land and live securely. But look at the picture of Israel. What did God say? We can see that over and over again. When we see God turning over the promised land to the Israelites, he said, as long as you do this, I'm paraphrasing, as long as you do what I've, I've called you to do, don't worship other gods, don't marry foreigners, don't allow, you know, all of these things that God said, what will you do? You'll live securely, you'll be blessed, you will live in, in prosperity. What would happen? They start worshiping other gods. They start intermarrying with the wicked people around them. Doesn't make sense, does it? But yet it's once again the reiteration of the fact that under the law, no one, no one. And by the way, tonight there's no one righteous, no, not one, is there? What we do know tonight is that it is by grace we've been saved through faith. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, church, I don't know what you're talking about tonight, but we've got nothing. That is an engine removed from the car that you just bought. We have no power without the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. We have no ability tonight to have discernment. We have no ability tonight to know when we're walking into danger, we have nothing. When we walk without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're walking by sight. And you have no ability, and I have no ability tonight to walk in anything other than the full anointing power of the Holy Spirit with Him guiding every step we take. So that eternal focus tonight is most important because what the eternal focus does is when you go back to point number one again, it helps us see that that person next door, that is nothing more than a mirage. It's a lie. It's the same picture as the Garden of Eden, him casting this narrative, this mirage. It is nothing more than a mirage. It's nothing more than a lie. The eternal focus helps you look at number, number two, which by the way, Obedience brings God's covenantal security and blessing. Obedience brings God's covenantal security and blessing. Because what do we know happens with disobedience? The promise of judgment. Sin brings judgment. Matter of fact, we know from Scripture, sin doesn't even bring judgment. It brings generational judgment. 
Sins of the father carried down to the third and fourth, general blessings to a thousand. So those covenantal promises, they're there. But those covenantal promises and the blessings of God are experienced in the midst of obedience. And we have a choice every single day. What are we going to live in? Do you want to live in yourself and the consequential nature with which sin unfolds itself on us? Oh, God, why is he so bad? Why is he so mean to me? What? What? What is this interesting about the law of harvest? And why in the world do we continue to follow into the same thing of going into sin, choosing sin, choosing it, <laughs> dragged away by our own desires, and then all of a sudden we get all upset because, oh, I'm so miserable. Why would God do this to me? Have a conversation with yourself when you do that like I have with those patients when they yell. Get in the mirror and say, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? How many times, even at churches, somebody gets bent out of shape about something that means absolutely nothing, and the next thing you know, you've got a church ready to split over someone's sin. Didn't have to do with anything right now. It's, there's cases of that, but more often than not, that's not the problem. I'll tell you what the problem is. Self-pride. People that want to control others. They want to do it that way and they're going to find a pastor that they'll do it their way or they're going to run everybody out of the church that wants to do it the other way and we'll have that because we want this. This is our baby and we're not letting go of it. Well, we're closing all over every day. That mindset, God cannot bless. The next thing you know, it's not First Baptist, it's not second, third, fourth, nope. You know what it is? It's called Ichabod and it's called a dying church. Because not only will God not bless it, it can't be blessed. And sadly, very godly ministries and very godly denominations have done nothing more, sadly, in the coming last couple decades than opened the back door and said, God, you can leave this way. And they've excused God from their midst. Why? Because they had the desire to do what they wanted to do. They wanted to interpret Scripture the way they wanted to, they love their kids so much. They love their husband, their wives, or whoever it was involved in open, overt, outward sin. And they weren't going to have anybody saying that was bad because they know that person so well, and you know they're a really good person. So they decided to excuse sin. And instead of hanging steadfastly to the truth of God's word that doesn't change and calling that three-letter word what it is, sin, they decided to excuse it. And in the process... They've excused the blessings of God. And this is why we know that obedience brings God's covenantal security and blessing. But anything else brings God's judgment. So when you have an eternal focus, what do you do? You live a life and a lifestyle and desire to glorify and honor Christ because you recognize that anything outside of that is going to bring pain, hurt, heartache, not only for you, but also for your children and your children's children. Who in the world wants to invite that in, knowingly or unknowingly for that matter? It is imperative that we recognize the importance of dealing with sin. Sin is poison. It's cancer. And the longer it's allowed to manifest itself in our lives, our thought process, our families or churches, the greater and the bigger it grows. And what does it say? Bitter roots. 
See to it that no bitter root takes root and what defiles who? Many. Isn't that interesting? A little what works through the whole batch? Old Testament, a little yeast works through the whole batch. To me, it's the same picture, though, of godliness. When you allow godliness to reign triumphant, that also will be something that is cultivated and manifested in your body. So that's that thing, that nature of feeding natures. What nature do you want to feed? And then verse 4, and we're done. Verse 4, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. I love this scripture. I'm thankful that God gave me the understanding of this scripture because, you know, many, many times in my past life, it'd be, oh, what is the new Gulf Stream, a G what? Then there's G40. I know they have a G40. I'd settle for that. You know, if I honor the Lord, God's going to give me a new Gulf Stream because you know that's what God wants to do, right? What's wrong with y'all? Y'all are out of step. Name it, claim it. No, it's not biblical, right? Third and final thing is this. A heart focused on God's heart is a blessed heart. Because when the heart's focused on God's heart, it's not going, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be a good little pastor, and God's going to give me that new Gulf Stream up the road. What a carnal thought process. Not, God, what is your will? No, it's name it and claim it. We see so much of that. It's systemic in our culture. Now, do I believe that you can go a spirit, hey, we're going to take captive this neighborhood for the gospel. And you start marching through neighborhoods and you are, hey, there is no other thought process than everybody in this neighborhood is going to get saved. Hey, you are in line with the word then. You are in line. Prayer marches, whatever you want to, hey, that's in line with the scripture. When we start taking it and believing that God is this Holy Spirit Powerball ticket, I can't tell you the number of times that I have heard someone go, yeah, I got my power. My power. Oh, it's big. It's big this time. Hey, hey, listen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give a bunch to a churches, and I'm gonna help people. I look at it and say, "Well, I do, I'm just honest." I go, <laughs> "Yeah, you are. You're. T- you've done convinced yourself of that, aren't you? And why don't you just watch a few of the documentaries on what they really do with the money? Don't think that God's hearing you right now, going, "Well, I'll go ahead and trust it to Billy Bob there, because he's gonna do the most good with it." People believe it's almost like they think God is listening to them and they're pretending that God can't hear them. And they're making all these statements about how wonderful they are going to be to everybody around them if they win the Powerball. But people convince them. We're really good at convincing ourselves of what we want to believe, aren't we? The truth, brothers and sisters, know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what I say tonight. Don't believe your heart because our hearts will deceive us. You believe the gospel of God's word. You don't believe what I say. You make sure it's in God's word and you believe what God's word says because I promise you, don't think that you can't sit in this church for 150 years every single service and not go to hell. And that's the truth. And I know that doesn't, people don't like, that just sounds tough and it's hard to hear. But I want to tell you something. Thus saith the Lord because that's the Bible. The Bible truth says many will come on that day. And did we not cast out demons, heal the sick, and raise the dead? I will tell them plainly, depart from me. Not my word. That's God's word. Those are people that didn't just sit in pews, by the way. Those were people actively involved in ministry that didn't meet the mark. Why does that matter? 
because eternity is a long time and there are no do-overs. And that's what we need to realize tonight. So what is the measure with which we line our lives up with? Not what I say. Not what you say. Not what the guy or girl on TV says or some a Bible study you've been reading that interpreted it different. No, you make sure it measures up to the rule of God's truth, God's unchanging word. Because that is once you have a mind a mind and a focus that's an eternal focus, as I said with that hymn this morning, the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Do that in everything. Make sure that the words of your mouth and meditations of your heart are pleasing and acceptable in his sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Why? Because it matters. What's coming out of your mouth is coming out of your heart. And if you don't like, or you might tonight go, well, I don't like what comes out, but you know my heart, Lord. Oh, really? You might need to record yourself because if you're talking like that, I would say there's a little heart issue that needs to be dealt with. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, I assure you that the things that you believe God's going to be okay with because it's not a big deal, I would assure you that you should get in God's word because God's word talks about you what? First with one side and bless with the others. This should not be, Scripture says. Not my word. God's word. And if you don't know those Scriptures, I'd encourage you to get them and search the Scriptures like who? The Bereans. Would I love to talk like I used to at times when you're all upset and you're wound up and you're fired up and just string together a plethora of men? Because, you know, sometimes wouldn't that just sound good? No, I don't want it. Because that is what I was. And what I was is W-A-S, or as the young people say, W-A-Z, was. Past tense. What I am is current tense. What I desire to be is the greatest image of Christ conformed into his likeness, transformed by the renewing of my mind that is only done by the power of the Holy Spirit and I understand and recognize the more that I grow in Christ, the importance of conforming into his likeness, conforming in to the image that God desired me to be conformed to, not sitting around excusing my behavior and my actions because, well, I couldn't help it. Well, I want to tell you something. If you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, we battle sin. But I can assure you that you will grow. And as you grow, the sin, I often, you know, the clover leaf entrance ramps to the interstate? This is what I say when you're, you're, a, you're a new believer. Those, those roundabouts are real big, you know, meaning you get off, you get caught, you get emotion, you're, you're a mess, and, and sometimes it takes a little while. But as you grow in Christ, what should occur is those clover leaves should tighten up. And as the Holy Spirit convicts you, they should be quick roundabouts that come right back on to where God has desired us to be. As we grow and as we seek his desire, his will, his heart, as we're in his word, you can't spend every day in God's word and then have ease with which things come out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming out of your mouth, right? Because the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts should be pleasing and acceptable in his sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. That's what scripture says. So tonight, if there are things that shouldn't be that way, God Give me an ever greater eternal focus 
Father, don't let come out of my mouth the things that I'm battling. Father, let the power of Christ restrain through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit this nature that I'm at war with right now. God, I don't want anyone to get an, a marred or in any way a reflection of your glory that would be anything other than what your desire for my life is. What do we know is God's going to do? He's going to answer because we're praying in accordance with his will. So what do we know? God will answer. So tonight, if you desire God to change some things about the inside so that the outside might greater reflect his glory, get honest with him. And what do I say on Sunday nights when you're laying in bed, reflecting on your week? Pray, God, change me, conform me, break me, make me after your will while I am waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way, Lord, great thing. Just remember it from that hymn, have thine own way. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. God, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.